Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. God is so good. We're going to be talking uh, today. We began talking about our vision last week, and we talked a little bit last week about knowing Jesus. And really, the goal of the gospel is to know Jesus and make him known. We want to do that. But today, we're going to talk a little bit about experiencing grace. And I actually have seven points on experiencing grace, different aspects where we experience grace that I put, that I prepared, but uh, in the first service, I only got through four of them. So we're only going to go through four. So uh, it'll be good. Amen. And we're, we thank God for grace. Grace is more than just about salvation. Grace will change your life. And did you know I was 30 years old before I got a revelation of grace? I didn't get a revelation of grace until 1994. I had actually been pastoring for six years at that time when I got a revelation of grace. And when I got a revelation of grace, it literally transformed my life. Barbara says, I'm not even like living with the same person. She said, man, I was hard to live with before I got a revelation of grace. Man, I love Jesus. I was diligent. I'm still diligent. I worked like a dog. I mean, I did all these things. But you know what? I'm doing 10, oh, I'm doing a thousand times as much today with 10% of the effort. Because I know it's not me. It's the grace of God that's with me. And Paul makes a statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10 that I love. He says, but I am what I am by the grace of God. And his grace, which was bestowed on me, was not in vain because I labored more abundantly than they all. But he says, yet it wasn't me. He caught himself. You know, it's so easy to realize something came by grace, but to move back into performance, to move back into self-reliance and, and not ultimately remember that ultimately this is Jesus that did this. But he says, nevertheless, it wasn't me, but it was the grace of God that was with me. And, you know, we call our church Charis Christian Center. Charis is the Greek word for grace. And if we define the Greek word for grace, charis, the way we define it, first of all, is divine favor or unmerited favor, that by which we are saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved. You are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. He says in verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then finally in verse 10, for you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before, if you study it out in the Greek, it means before the foundation of the world, God planned for your salvation. Amen? God had a plan for you. Amen? Before you were ever born, before the foundation of the world that you should walk in him. God, had, it, that's what we call amazing grace. But grace is, first of all, unmerited favor. It's divine favor. It's the grace of God that saved us. If, if grace wouldn't have saved us, you know where would we be? Yeah, hell, Heather said. Some of us know that better than others. But the fact is, you know what? I don't deserve what I'm getting today. If I got deserved what I got, I'd go to hell. And I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. But it's not about me, it's about Jesus. The second definition that we have for grace is divine influence. Uh, Strong's defi defines the Greek word charis as the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. And in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, 
Uh, Titus says, for the grace of God which brings salvation has appeared to all men. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of grace. In John 1.14, John said, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the embodiment of grace. Strong's defines that word, charis, as the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. So in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, he begins with the grace of God. Jesus, which brings salvation, has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace teaches us how to live right in a wrong world. You know what? The world is crazy. I mean, these people are nuts. I can't believe some of this stuff that comes. Yeah, I can't even hardly watch the news because if I watch the news, I'm mad all the time. And I just can't spend my life being mad all the time. But it's because the world thinks so badly. Well, if you want to think differently, you got to renew your mind in the Word. But grace is, first of all, divine favor, that by which we're saved. Secondly, it's the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. Jesus, the grace of God, has affected our heart. And when we realize it, it will be reflected in our life. But I love this third definition of grace. Grace is God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves in the person of Jesus Christ when he died and rose again. Praise God. God did it for us. And really, when you look at this verse that we began with in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am who I am. I am what I am by the grace of God. God has done something in me that I could not do for myself in the person of Jesus. Amen? When he raised him from the dead. Oh, yes, grace has changed my life. It's God's ability. Thank God it's not only divine favor and divine influence, but it's divine ability. And when you have the ability of God, you're not on your own. You're not doing this by yourself. Praise God. God is with you in the person of Jesus. And when you realize that, it changes everything. You know, that's really the story of the Bible. The Old Testament shows how badly that man failed in all, in his innocence, in his conscience, in his, you know, knowledge of good and evil, in his ability to govern himself in the human family and in human ability under Moses and the law. And, and it ends with man's faith. But it's a story of God's love for us, even though we fail. And then when you look into the gospel, God reveals his love to us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus comes and puts a face on God and reveals the grace of God, reveals God's love for us in his life, in his death, in his burial, and, and in his resurrection. And in the epistles, you find that God's love has taken up residence on the inside of you. And you live in a brand new way because you begin to understand his love for you. Paul actually talks about that in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, when he says that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And if you study that out in context in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, he's actually talking about the power of the grace of God, the power of the love of God. So you could use these words, love, favor, or grace kind of 
interchangeable. They kind of fit together. So what has grace done for us? Well, the first thing grace has done is saved us. Now, we already talked about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. We're saved by grace through faith. In fact, that's how we receive everything from God, by grace. It's provided by God's grace, but you have to believe it. Amen? You have to accept it by faith, right? I love this verse in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Titus 3, verse 5 says this. It says, but by his mercy, he saved us and washed us with the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. God saved us by mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. I deserve hell, but I'm getting heaven. That's mercy. Mercy is I'm not getting hell. Grace is I'm getting heaven. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So this is God saved us by his mercy and washed us with the regeneration. What happened when you got saved? You got regenerated. You got regened with the, he says, with the, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit came into you and made you new. If you realize this, in your spirit, you have the genealogy of Jesus. When you begin to understand it, it completely changes how you, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You were spiritually dead, but now you're alive. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, But you, as he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. I was spiritually dead, but now I'm spiritually alive. How did I come alive? I heard the gospel. I believed the gospel. And the word of God was sown in my spirit. And I was born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God that is living and abiding, that lives and abides forever. I became a brand new creation in Christ. My spirit was made brand new. The seed of the word was planted in my spirit and I was begotten of God. I was born of isn't that marvelous? So salvation. Thank God we've received salvation. What is salvation? If we study it out in the Greek, it's the word soteria, forgiveness. Thank God we have forgiveness through salvation. It includes peace. It includes protection and freedom. It, it salvation to be made whole, spirit, soul, and body. Sotir, wellness, completeness. It, in, it includes healing. Healing, you know, in the, in the, when Jesus would minister healing to people, he said he made them whole. He made them complete. He made them well. Sozo. That's the word save. Sotir it comes from. <laughs> God wants to make you well. Spirit, soul, and body. Provision is part of salvation. Deliverance, freedom, all, all that. Salvation. Glory to God, we're saved by grace. Everybody say, thank God for grace. Oh, I thank God for grace. But not only are we saved by grace, the Bible says that we're to grow in grace. That's the second aspect of grace. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the very last verse of 2 Peter, it says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to grow in the grace of Jesus. We need to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. We need to grow in our relationship with Jesus. You know, you're, you're either growing, you're either going forward or you're going backward in your relationship with God. 
You're not standing still. So you need to keep growing. Well, how do we grow in grace? Well, if we go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, Peter says this, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Grace and peace is being multiplied to us the more you get to know God. Now, how do you get to know God? You get to know Him in the Word, but you also get to know Him in, as a relationship, right? In the word knowledge here in the Greek, when you study it out in verse 2 and verse 3, is really talking about relationship. And so he goes on and talks about really what grace has provided in verse 3. He says in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you. We want you to grow in grace through the knowledge of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. But he says in verse 3, according as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue. And again, this Greek word, for knowledge, when you study it out, is talking about a relational knowledge. I know Barbara better than I know anyone else on the face of the planet, right? We have a relationship with each other. We've actually been married for 38 years. Just a few months, it'll be 39. But, you know, we're growing in our understanding of each other. We're growing in our relationship. Barbara can finish my sentence Sometimes she can tell me what I'm thinking before I tell her. <laughs> Other times she tells me, what you think about? Because <laughs> I'm always thinking about something. Hallelujah. So I'm trying to make my thoughts positive and make my thoughts good, right? Hallelujah. So sometimes I tell her and sometimes I don't. Because <laughs> sometimes what I'm thinking about ain't worth talking about. Amen? And you need to learn how to put a watch on your tongue. You need to learn. Get a hold of that thing between your teeth. There's life and death in that thing. Right? So he says, according as his divine power, or I like to say this, his divine grace. See, where great grace is preached, great power is released. You can study that in Acts chapter 4, about verse 33. We're great grace, but he says his divine grace or his divine power. His divine grace has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through our relationship, our knowledge of Jesus, our experience of Jesus who called us to glory, the outflowing of his spirit, right? The purpose, power, and presence of God. Glory to God, when you find the purpose of God, you find the presence of God and the power of God. Glory, you can see it. I could show you that in a lot of ways, but we won't right now. Amen? According as his divine power or his divine grace has given us everything. I, you know, so many people say, well, God's called me to do this, but I don't have what it takes. No, you shouldn't say that. You need to agree with what the word of God says. The Word of God says His divine power has given us everything, all things pertaining to life and godliness through our relationship with Jesus who's called us to glory and virtue. I literally believe that when you're born again, the ministry that God has given you is full grown on the inside, but it takes a lifetime to walk it out. 
Maybe I should say when you're born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 14. And I knew things when I was 14 that I would do that I didn't even start into until I was beyond 30 years old, beyond, beyond 40 years old. I mean, some things God showed me right when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I didn't even enter into for nearly 30 years. Amazing. It's amazing grace. But I have everything that I need. I said this for years, to do everything that God calls me to do. I have no lack in any area of my life. I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord. We started this church 21 years ago. We had almost no people and no money. Today, everything you see here is completely paid for. We're actually getting ready for the next great opportunity that God gives us. And there will be great opportunity that comes to Karis Christian Center in the future. You haven't seen anything I have everything I need to do, everything God called me to do. I have no lack in any area of my life. I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Hallelujah. That is so good. It is so good. God's grace is so good. His divine power has given to me everything pertaining to life, everything pertaining to godliness through my relationship with Jesus who called me to good things through the outflowing of his nature. I love the next verse in verse 4 where it says, whereby or through my relationship with Jesus, right? He's given me everything pertaining to life and godliness through my relationship with Jesus, through the knowledge of Jesus, who called me to glory and virtue. And through my relationship with Jesus, whereby are given to me exceeding great and precious promises. Wow. What is your attitude towards the word of God? You know, your attitude towards the word determines the place that God holds in your daily life. Some people say, I don't like that church. They got too much word there. What's wrong with you? Your love for, for God is directly connected to your love for the word. If you don't love the word, you probably don't really love God. Amen. Hallelujah. His divine power has given me everything pertaining to life and godliness through my relationship with Jesus who's called me into glory and virtue and through my relationship with Jesus, whereby are given to me exceeding great and precious promises. Through my relationship with Jesus, the Bible has come alive to me. David said, oh, how I love your word is my meditation day and night. Job said, I have esteemed your words more than my necessary food. Solomon said, my son, attend to my word. Give ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life unto those who find them and medicine their health to all of their flesh. Oh, how I love the word of God. Jeremiah said, I'm not going to preach it anymore because they've been persecuting me for it. He said, but the word became in me like a fire in my bones, and I couldn't hold it in. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Search the scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Do you love the word? Through my relationship with Jesus, the word has come alive to me, whereby are given to me exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises we might partake of the divine nature. We, the word will ca cause the life of God to begin to flow into your situation and escape the corruption, the, the principle of death that's in this world through lust. What happened to the gar in the Garden of Eden? The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Adam transgressed, and Adam's transgression opened the floodgates of sin, of sorrow, of death, of destruction, of lack on the hum human race. But Jesus came to reverse the curse. Jesus came to turn around everything that Adam did. Do you know this Bible at the heart is a book of redemption? It means to purchase back, to buy back. The Bible begins in the beginning with man in paradise with God. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, the very last book of the Bible says this, To him who overcomes will I give to eat of... It, of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Revelation 22, the very last chapter, says this. It says we're going back to the throne of God and the river of God and the tree of life. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And it says these words in verse 3. It says, and there shall be no more curse. What's that? That's full circle. You see, because when Adam sinned, there was a curse that came on the earth. But, and then later, we, we entered into the curse of the law. But Jesus has already, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law. He became a curse in our place. And because he was cursed, we don't have to accept the curse. We can be blessed. Galatians 3.13 and 14 says that. But, but there's going to be a day when the curse of sin is broken. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is the enemy of death. What a marvelous book of redemption. Through my relationship with Jesus, the Word has come alive to me. And the Word is divine. What's he say? According as whereby... Whereby through my relationship with Jesus are given to me exceeding great and precious promises that by these I might partake of the divine nature and escape the corruption, the principle of death that is in the world through lust. Hey, the, the world might be rotten. The world might be rusting. The world might be going to hell in a handbasket, but I don't have to go with them. I've got the life of God in me. I've got the light of God in me. I've got the spirit of God in me. Jesus Christ is living in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. See, because when I got born again, you got put on a new train. This train is bound for glory. This train. Glory to God. I'm going to a new place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was hell-bound, but now I'm heaven-bound. I was dying, but I've been made alive. I got new life in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've got a brand-new spirit in Christ. The same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in me and is quickened in my mortal body. 
grow in grace. <laughs> What's the next one? We minister by grace. You know, ministry doesn't work very well without grace. It's not by our power. It's not by our might. It's not by our great ability. It's by his grace. I want you to turn to this scripture, if you have your Bible, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 6. We minister by grace. You know, we're all to be ministers of the gospel. And we minister through the grace of God. Paul actually says in Galatians chapter 3, he asked a question. He said, how did you receive the Spirit? How did you get saved? Galatians 3, 2. Did you get saved by the works of the law, by your performance, or by the hearing of faith? How did you get saved? You heard the gospel and believed it. You heard that Jesus came, right? And Jesus landed sinless and perfect and holy and died on the cross for your sins. And God raised from the dead, and you believe that and made him Lord, and you believe that Jesus is Lord, and you, you became a new creation. You got saved by grace. You get saved by grace through faith. Right, but we also minister. He asked this question in verse 5. He said, he then who ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, how does he do it? Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He asks the same question. And, and what, he's, what he's saying is, did you know what? You minister the same way, right, that you got saved. You minister by grace. Praise God, it's by the grace of God. It's through the gifting of God. Actually, the gifts of the Spirit are ca called grace gifts. So we have grace gifts. But here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he makes a statement. He says, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Do, do I have to write a letter of recommendation for myself? Or do we need, as some others, letters of recommendation to you or letters of recommendation from you? He said, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. The greatest book that I can write, the greatest story that I can tell is the people that are in this church, that are in our ministry, that have heard the gospel and believed it and how it's changed their life. He said, you're our epistle. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, the letter of Christ ministered by us, not written with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. We're written by the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust we have through Christ to God. Listen to what Paul says in verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Without Him, we can do nothing. He says our sufficiency is of God, who has also made us able ministers of the new covenant, able ministers of the New Testament. He says, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills. Legalism kills. Do you know what? Thank God I got a revelation of grace. The letter kills. If you have a law ministry, you have a death ministry. 
But he says, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Thank God for the grace of God. It ministers life to people. We minister by grace. I love this verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says this. It says, but as every man has received the gift. He's saying everybody's received it, so he must be talking about salvation. We've received the gift of salvation. We've received the gift of righteousness. We've received the gift of eternal life. We've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. As every man has received the gift, so let him minister. As a good steward, we need to become good stewards of the, of the manifold, of the many-faceted grace of God. We need to become good stewards of God's grace. It's a many fat, it's, it's like a beautiful diamond. Barbara, come up here really quickly. I want to tell you a story. See, Barbara's wearing this beautiful diamond. Now, I got married, and I married Barbara when I worked on the farm. I made... Because you needed a free hired hand. <laughs> yeah, we actually, we, we, we started dating in October. On the third date, we don't recommend this, but I asked her to marry me on the third date. She agreed. Three weeks later, we got officially engaged. I made a whole $800 a month in those days. And so we came up here to Colorado Springs, right, to, to buy a wedding ring six weeks after we started dating in the middle of November. We actually went to see Andrew Womack, but he wasn't at his ministry. It was that bed and breakfast building on the corner of the park in Manitou. Somebody caved him and he moved from Lamar, Colorado to there. They gave that to him in 1980. But, we went and, but he wasn't there, but Lavelle, his mother was there. So we, get, we went to see Lavelle, you know, in, while we were up here looking at rings. And she says, let me prophesy to you. She says, you're going to get married sooner. So we started dating in November or October. We got, a, we got engaged three weeks later in October. No pressure, but get the facts straight. Okay. And three weeks later... I remember the facts really, really well. <laughs> Barbara and Aaron, they tell stories, but sometimes they don't. They're like Andrew Womack. He gets most of it right, but he makes the point really good. <laughs> Jamie always laughs because he's telling his story. He's like, why do you laugh? She says, because you never tell it the same way. Okay, bring it back in. But I actually have a very good memory. So, so anyway, we went to see Lavelle. She says, let me prophesy to you. You're going to get married sooner. So we were going to get married in October, but you know what? It was just about hay time, and I needed help starting the 1st of June. So we got married. God bless Barbara's mother. She was such a wonderful woman. Um, we got it. We, Barbara graduated from college, horse training and management school in Lamar, Lamar Community College. That's why she did so good with me. On May the 12th, 1984, and then on May 19th, one week later, I was 19, she was 20, we got married, and we did a real short vacation because we had to come back and cut hay. So that is kind of true. <laughs> and these people were trying to hire her, and I'm like, no, you can't hire her. She, I said, she's busy. They said, what is she doing? I said, she's helping me. <laughs> so God's taking good care of us. But, but anyway... Just before our 25th anniversary, 
our middle son, Andrew, was going to get married. And he said, Dad, there's this place here in Colorado Springs, and they sell the best diamonds for the best prices in the United States. Let's go over here and look. And so Andrew was going to buy a diamond and a ring for his wife, Bree. And while we were in there, this is just before our 25th anniversary, a young man came in. And he brought this beautiful diamond. It's 1.07 carat. And he sold it to this man that owned the store for $300. I'm watching all this. I'm thinking, that's my diamond. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so anyway, after Andrew got his ring deal made and he got bought very beautiful ring, a lot nicer than the one I first bought Barbara. This is the actual ring, but it had this diamond you could hardly see it. <laughs> Might have been a quarter of a carat, maybe. I don't know. It was so tiny. You did. I think it was a speck. A speck, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I took everybody out back to the car, and then I came in, and I told the man, I want to buy that diamond. He said, well, listen, I know the young man that sold it. It's not stolen. But he said, I have to keep it for 30 days before I can sell it. I said, okay. He said, I'll sell it to you. He said, that's great. So I said, what? Well, how much is it? Gonna call. He said, I'm gonna sell it to you for $300. Now this, this is a European cut. It wasn't installed in their variant style now. It's 1.07 carats, something like that. It's a beautiful diamond. It's worth several thousand dollars. He sold it to me for $300, but he not only sold it to me for $300, he had it set in Barber's ring. And then he took the little tiny diamond and he let Barbara look through all of his crosses and he set it in a white gold cross mm -hmm. with a white gold chain. And you know, he did it all for $300. You know what? That's like the grace of God. Jesus did it all. He paid for it. Amen. God. See, your salvation, your healing, the promises of God, it didn't cost you anything. It cost God everything. Praise God. But, but that's like grace. It's like a many-faceted thing. It's a beautiful thing. That's why we all need to get involved in the body of Christ. Amen. What do you want to say? Well, I think, it, I think, too, it's always a good reminder that, you know, ultimately, you need to keep your trust in God. Yeah, you do. Yeah, Barbara's always trusted Jesus. She's told me a few times. I said, I'm not going to do that. We, she, I, I'm just going to believe God and bypass you. Yep. And I know when she says that, baby, it's coming, so get ready. <laughs> yeah, I love you. How, when, I, when we got married, she wanted a vacuum. I said, listen, I can't, I can't afford a vacuum right now. She said, I just believe God and bypass you, and guess what? A vacuum came. I was going to the car auction with a dealer I know in Denver to buy a car, and I wanted to buy a Lincoln Continental. And she saw a Buick. She was grocery shopping. She, didn't, she prayed. We didn't have cell phones in those days. She said, God, I want a Buick. And I went to that auction. The only car that I saw that I liked was a Buick Riviera, and I bought her a beautiful Buick Riviera. Got a smoking deal on it. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? That girl knows how to pray. Then we were in Kit Carson, and, you know, she wanted another car because I drove this old diesel truck, you know. It was hard starting, hard stopping, hard about everything. And, and so I would take Barbara's van, and she'd be locked up home without anything to drive except my old diesel truck, which she couldn't start probably or stop. 
It was pretty bad. I, I had one of my farmers, he said, Lawson, I believe in faith, but fix the brakes. <laughs> I was actually driving it down my driveway one time. This guy was coming by and it failed to stop. And he was coming by, there was trees on both sides. And I said, Jesus, and it's the, I saw the whites of that guy's eyes. <laughs> but Jesus stopped that truck and I didn't run him over. Hallelujah, he helps us. Amen, grace. Everybody say grace. grace. But we have grace gifts. We minister by grace. The last thing I want to share about, and I'm going to go really quickly, is I want to talk about we receive the promises by grace. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 2, he says, therefore being justified by faith. I like the New King James Version. It says, having been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God we have been justified by faith and we're at peace with God. Then he says in verse 2, and we have access by faith and the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have access by faith into grace. I want you to think about grace like a giant storehouse full of everything that you need. Amen? Grace is like this. It has everything that you need. It's already paid for. It's already there. It's already done. But all you need is the key. We have access by faith into grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory, the manifest presence, power, and purpose of God in our life. We're looking for good things to happen. Heaven has already made provision. Jesus said three beautiful words in John 19, verse 30. He said, it is finished. Faith accesses grace, and we receive the promises for healing, for peace, for provision, just like we receive the promise of forgiveness for sins. We receive him by faith in his grace. We believe it. Hallelujah. What I love so much about this book that I gave Larry over 30 years ago when he was really struggling in his back, the medical diagnosis was not very good then. But I gave him this book, Christ the Healer, by F.F. Bosworth. And F.S. Bosworth proves in that book so well the doctrine of divine healing that he was wounded for our transgressions and by his stripes you are healed. The same blood that bought your forgiveness bought your healing. Praise God. Can I share one more scripture? Thank God we have access by grace into faith, and we rejoice in the hope of the, of the glory of God, of the promises of God. All the promises of God in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 are yes and amen to the glory of God by us. Let's look at this verse in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Paul had been ministering at this point for, for a few years to the church at Ephesus. For three years. He says in verse 31, and he says in verse 32, Acts 20, verse 32. Now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace. I commend you to God 
and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. The word of his grace will build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Grace will give you an inheritance. Grace will release those provisions in the giant storehouse of heaven. It's an inheritance. If you received an inheritance, you don't receive an inheritance because you worked. You don't receive inheritance because you saved. You don't receive an inheritance because you invested. You receive inheritance because somebody else worked, somebody else saved, somebody else invested. And you just showed up and believed and received. See, this is called the Old and the New Testament. The New Testament is the last will and testament of God. God promised it to you. Jesus paid for it. He died so that you could have it. He rose again to carry it out. It is the last will and testament of God. And the promises of God are guaranteed to you today because of Christ's work. Hebrews 7 verse 22 says that he is the surety of a better testament. Hebrews 8 6 says that we have a better covenant established on better promises. And what makes it better is Jesus. The gospel is all about Jesus. It's all about what Jesus did for you in his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus paid for your forgiveness. He paid for your peace. He paid for your healing. He paid for your freedom and he prayed for your prosperity in his death and resurrection. And you know what? We showed up and we heard the message. I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. Among those are sanctified. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.